0: A veil of fog floated over the land, and frost clung to branch and bough. And through the mist, the saint came upon a clearing in the forest. There stood a stag, white as snow, with head held high. And between the stag's great antlers, the saint did see a vision of Christ that brought Hubert to his knees.
1: Hi, I'm Dina, teacher and reluctant puppeteer turned host of La Bufana's Table a podcast dedicated to the art of sacred hospitality. For each week, listeners are invited to feast on real life stories of hope and healing, as well as soul nourishing conversations with folks from all walks of life who are utilizing their gifts in both small ways and large to make the world a more beautiful place. So pull up a seat, tell some friends and become a part of a legendary story. Welcome back to another episode of Love Upon Table. I'm your host, Dina Gregory, and today I'm coming to you with a conversation that I had with the wonderful and wise Raylene Abbott, who describes herself as a listener of the wind, a singer of green psalms written on the forest floor, a student of heart softening, a finder of wayside shrines, a collector of medieval recipes, and an author of books, her most recent one being Novenas for Now which is the focus of our conversation. So let's jump right in.
0: I started writing it during COVID. It was this year I got it published. I really had to push to get that done. But I started it even before COVID. And then I stopped because we're all processing collectively COVID. And then I came back and finished it. And it was really good because I had let it rest. And I was visiting my girlfriend. And all of a sudden, I was talking about the grandmothers you know, the ancestors. And I was really heartbroken because I, you know, I kept on seeing, seeing these Italian women, old women dying that I felt had huge amount of wisdom that maybe not had gotten recorded, especially recipes, because I was cooking a lot for the book. The book is mm. very peasant, rustic cooking. So very, very simple. You know, I do a novena and then i I research it and the book is more like it's about feel like my lineages have been interesting. What I've done, you know, I 29, I started doing working with Native Americans and that lasted 12 and a half years of really intense birth training. And then I went, but I was raised Catholic, you know, I, you know, as a deaf Catholic girl. And one of the things that I really felt was that. Christianity really separated from the earth. But, you know, Mary was always there coming up through the goddess coming through the shrines. And you really find that in Europe, especially in France, you know, with the Mm -hmm. Black Madonnas, it's like the fertility goddess walking through back doors. So
1: take us back for just a second for the non-Catholics or for anyone who really does not know what a novena is. Let Can we just go kind of what is a novena? And I guess the question for me is, like, why now? Why is this book coming through you now? What is it? And who are novenas for? Because as as the one who is an Italian, who also has a, finds roots in, my roots are in Catholicism. I've tried to take Catholicism off of me a hundred million times. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm not. You know, and then you're, I can't get rid (laughs) of it. (laughs) And so... For me, it's, you know, I've naturally gone back to, I would say what many people in spiritual work call like your root tradition. You know, this is I can go to a million other people's traditions, but where I'm finding, at least currently now, the most healing is going, you know what? I was born Italian. I was born Catholic. That's got to be for some kind of reason. Let me dig in the spot in which in which has cultural relevance to me. So a novena. I have my grandmother prayed all the time. Mm-hmm. For other people who may be listening to this, they're like, "What are you? What? What's a novena?" So we're like, "Let's go basic, basic." And yeah, and then,
0: okay, tell us now. Yeah, so a novena is a, a simple prayer. Usually, they have chaplets. They have novenas. A novena is maybe it can be a very simple prayer that was said hundreds of years. So it has all this history. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that it worked. You pray for nine days. It's called a novena because it's nine days. Okay. And, and so my practice was used to doing a uh, mantra, chanting native songs and then mantras, 40 days, six months. <laughs> I mean, 15 years mantra practice. And when I went to France, I couldn't even say, Oh, money, pay me home again. Yeah. And we can't separate from our DNA. And anybody that's European, you know, they we separate because they said, "Oh, they had bad programming." The Inquisition, da 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 da. But the thing, you can't separate it. It's in you. It's in your ancestors. So honoring it and changing it. The novena book, I think the main basis of this is I have found that these novenas actually work. They're really fast. Nine days, five minutes a day. You know, it's 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 really like it's happening. You know, all of a sudden, you know, your problem is gone yeah. <laughs> and. I mean, it, it it was like I spent three months doing Eastern mantras, and I'm going, holy moly, man, this is like working, you know, nine <laughs> days. That was a surprise, mm-hmm. and so I started doing a lot of research. But people get turned off of Catholicism, you know. There's the Inquisition; they were separated from nature. They, you know, they separated from the feminine. But the thing is, is it's really hard to push it away because you're pushing away your blood lineage mm-hmm. and what. This book is about your ancestors were these bodies. All of us are built on a foundation of our DNA and blood lineage. And what I have found and what I'm trying to do in my book and what a lot of people will look at my work and go, Oh, this is too Catholic. I'm not and in the church in that way. I'm more a uh, direct experience. Yeah. Or a Gnostic tradition. But I've used these these saints and the research to connect with them through the novenas. And it's been very powerful. Uh, I have a tendency, I edit out the guilt and sin. I'm not into guilt and sin. I'm not into separation. I see it as a oneness mirror and not as a duality mirror. And so what I'm doing, and and still I see a lot of people push it away. But the thing is, is everybody has bad programming. Mm -hmm. Our ancestors had bad programming. We have bad programming. Individually, and we're all trying to overcome it. So when we get to push it away because of their bad programming, mm. it's more about understanding it and transforming it into a way that sees through one mirror, mm. you know, the oneness, um, not get caught in the duality. And even these saints had bad programming. You know, no one's perfect down here on this planet. That's always so important
1: to, to, to say, I mean, the saints or whoever, holy people or anyone, I think it's so easy in some ways when they're not here anymore, right? To, to put them on these pedestals and so much of the purpose or is the connection through the humanity, right? We're, we're looking for like human, Brothers and sisters, guides to kind of go like, Hey, you're a bit of a wreck. I was a bit of a wreck too. Let's become less of a wreck together.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Because, yeah, none of us are perfect in that. And that's, I address a lot of those things in the book, not so much of an intellectual way. It's more like get into practice and find for yourself. Um, some of this stuff is, I will have old practices in there, but. Like I say, I might edit a word or two. Right. But I've written a lot of new prayers, uh, Mm -hmm. especially for this last, these green saints. Who are these characters? Who are these, who are these green, these
1: green saints? And yeah,
0: they're really great. So, (laughs) Angel Giovanni, he was like a playboy, you know, and he was in, yeah, he was in Tuscany and he was a soldier and his brother got, got murdered. And so it's on Easter Sunday and he finds the murderer and San San Giovanni looks at him. He's ready to kill him, you know, take his revenge. I mean, that's free Italian. (laughs) How did he not go for the Italian's (laughs) rumble, (laughs) Robert? Yeah. And the guy puts his arms out like the sign of the cross and says, please forgive me. And the Christos, and I use the word Christos because it's not. It goes outside of Christ, the personality, but the Christ inside of us. The Christos is the cosmic Christ. Right. And that's what is binding it here. And so I use that word a lot because it's a Greek word coming from the cosmic Christ that's found inside of ourselves. So he, he, essentially Giovanni looks, oh my God, you know, he's having this vision of Christ through this man. He forgives him. He goes to the monastery and... He starts becoming a hermitage. He's, he's against the selling of religious artifacts that are fake. He gets disenchanted by the church and he keeps Mm -hmm. traveling and traveling all over Tuscany. And finally he comes to this place that's barren land and in the barren land, he starts planting trees. And what happens is monks come and they plant forest after forest after forest. They don't even, they don't even grow vegetables. It's not traditional. They're just replanting the land. And I actually have, if I can find it, I can re- read something with him of a prayer that I wrote about him. But when I did the Novena, I did the Novena. So that's this history. But yeah. here's the directing. So I'm doing the Novena and I'm out there this summer. You know, my husband drives a, you know, motorcycle. So we tw- tour in forest and do two up camping. I'm in forest every day. I'm praying in the woods because, you know, I'm in Oregon, and there's clear cutting, and there's fires, and I'm going holy you know, holy Mother, and God help you, oh, San <laughs> help, you know thank Giovanni help me with this, so I'm praying all the time, and every day I do my San Giovanni, so the ninth day comes, and I'm thinking, you know like this some you know something's going to happen with nature, and he burst out of my heart, and there was some stuff in my heart that I needed to forget. And I just burst out crying. I, he came right out of the left field and cleaned me out. It was a very direct experience. It was a very powerful experience and it was very real for me. And I'd forgot, I had forgot, you know, I was interested in him with the forest, you know, more than I was the doctor, forgiveness, but he, he got me. It's like these saints are windows into the divine dimensions and they have history of Hundreds and hundreds of years, eight hundred years. You go to you go to a shrine in Italy, you fall into eight hundred years of ancestral prayers to everybody that laid a prayer on that shrine before you. And that's mm-hmm. why it's so powerful. It speaks to our European roots. Tell me more of
1: that because you know, this book came to you during right the you know, this pandemic, you were you yeah, were doing a it. talk to guess, me more about
0: roots. It's the second book. Roots. Well, when I was talking about, you know, because I was researching a lot of the roots through food. Mm. I did it through recipes and food. And so I was St. Joseph. And you probably know this about St. Joseph in Sicily. Great big, huge. St. Joseph's day is huge and they feed the poor. Mm. So what I would do is I would do a novena. And this is my own spin because it's yes. happening. You're doing this, you get inspired doing these novenas and you're in the spiritual world. So to put an exclamation mark on the novena, I would Mm -hmm. bake bread for the poor. This is during COVID. Mm -hmm. And I was like baking 40 loaves of bread. They weren't big, they were small, you know, but I was getting all the old Italian recipes and I, I you know i sent away for this sourdough off of the off of some island in naples that was like <laughs> a thousand years old seeded. i mean i'm i you know i don't do this a little bit i go real yeah. Stuff. and so i'm <laughs> i'm doing this whole thing and 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 that was when i really just started to discover saint Joseph. and i had a woman that taught me uh the mystical rosary that she learned from the nuns when she was in the convent, then they told her, "You, you don't belong here, go out and be your <laughs> so she go yeah she's she's gone you now this r e l and so in eighty eight she taught me a different way of doing the rosary, and it was really incredibly beautiful, really, really deep and uh, so I picked that practice up and did it for eight years mm-hmm. and had a lot of experiences. And she came back in my life right before this book. I started writing right before COVID, and wasn't sure. You know, she's very sensitive, and she kept on saying, "You need to go to Saint Joseph, Saint Joseph." So she sends me a Saint Joseph book out of the church, and I'm going, "Okay, this isn't for me. I can't do this. Huh. It's just dripping with too much guilt and sin." So I started going to the recipes in Sicily in mm-hmm. southern, southern Italy and then started researching. Uh, and that's how I kind of get into it. And then I just do the novenas and let the novena teach me. Mm.
1: I feel like a lot of people on many different paths. I talk to people from all, all over and I'm a teacher during the day. Right. And I, I see a lot of students, you know, they want you give me the information. So yeah. can you talk a little bit more of like for you in this practice that is meaningful for your life. What does it mean that it's it's teaching you? What does that mean? How does one does not do this practice or has yeah. like has maybe some church hurt is dealing yeah. with some religious trauma? How does that the novena teach you? And what is that what are you being aware of? What are what are you doing for it to be the
0: teacher of you? Okay, some novenas are very complex. Some of them are very simple. I simply just do, you know, I just simply say it and yes, as I say it. I'm really devotional. So, you know, some yeah. people are very, and I think that if you really got called as a child in Catholic religion or had a grandmother or an auntie that was really devotional and you saw that, yeah. you understand that made it. And a lot of people don't understand that they, it's all through the head. It's not through this, you know, so this devotional part of me, you know, I mean, yes. I'm six years old, prayed to the Virgin Mary and just said, please give me visions. That's all I wanted. You mm-hmm. know, I want visions. <laughs> you know? And I got him, you know, mm-hmm. Later on, it took a few years, but, you know, that yeah. was my prayer. I want to experience what the saints experience.
1: Who was your person of like that showed you what devotion looks like? Did you
0: have a grandmother that was this kind of devotional I, my grandmother my my no my 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 one grandmother, but my mom and my godmother really uh we went to church all the time there was a lot of that in, in both of them, and granny Bell really, really touched me. She was a grandmother in law and she was devotional, and i I actually write about her in the book. And it's but like, I feel old like lips?
1: it means to be, you know, devotional. I feel like we're in this interesting time, right? Yeah. Where, yeah. Where, we're, where everyone's like, Wah. the secular world, we said, okay, religion is too much of a squeeze and we want to get away from you. And I feel like we've gone through this rebellious phase and we're, and a lot of people in society like went the secular route and yet are finding that there's, it's not giving enough. And yet, but we lost devotion. So where does How do we even tap into what devotion looks like in a modern world where a lot of people are, are running away from religion because of trauma, but
0: yet not knowing what to run toward? Devotion to me is sinking into the heart. And maybe I say a simple little prayer, but it's sinking the heart and then deeply listening and then praying. I mean, I think prayer, you know, there is the prayer that maybe I'll say and go, you know, say something, but then there's the prayer that comes from the depths of my heart that it prays through me. You know, uh, my deepest hurts, my deepest longings, prayer of please align me with nature so mm-hmm. I can hear her voice, so I can do something right here. So my children, my grandchildren, you know, those are like my deep prayers. I think what happens when you get in that kind of devotion, it isn't like this High and mighty place, yeah. uh, you know, that you're prancing around with your costumes, you know, and <laughs> I'm sorry, but I gotta hey, say no, it. You're all- <laughs> you know, you're prancing around with your costumes trying to be something. It's not like that. It's like, it's like this humbleness and awe of this deep silence mm, that you're inspired through. And so the closest I can get to it is poetry. That's the closest Or art and it flows through you like a river, Mm. but it's not me because as soon as you start, you know, oh, I'm the goddess or whatever, you know, or, you know, look at me, you know, know, uh, as soon as you get there, you've lost it Mm. because it's not the personality. It's, it's, It's something that flows through you. And if we all got down to the nitty gritty, we all know that, you know, we have faults, yeah. We're not perfect. And that's something that the church made its whole fallacy, like, oh, Maricopa, Maricopa, you know, you know, uh, trying to be perfect. It's not like that down here. So there's yeah. just things that were twisted for control. And once you start understanding that. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like unlocking those things that kept our ancestors in bondage and in control because mm-hmm. they're trying to control the masses. If you don't think that this isn't happening right now, it is. Where the same shit's happening. It just looks different. And we'll get too much into that. But if you reflect it, there's still the same bad program. There's still the same control issues. There's still people that are acutely suffering of injustice. All of that stuff is still happening. But the freedom is here. The freedom is here. And, and once you get into that stream and listen, it's not about control. It's about alignment. This it's is a word I hear.
1: We, I'm hearing a lot, you know, in terms yeah. of becoming in a, you know, and even just that movement. <laughs> There's like, ah, uh,
0: you know, and yeah, like, what's my soul saying? You what know, what is
1: my soul what's
0: set? That? And that's going to be your soul's going to say something different than my soul. Yeah. And that's the truth. You know, like everybody trying to get cookie cuttered into the same religion or cookie cutter. We all have different experiences. We all have different wounding. and. When we transform that wounding. Yes. We become like this conduit to help other people transform their own wounding in the same kind of, you know, the same kind of area. Yeah. The new age. I, I don't even like that word, but you know, (laughs) I don't, I don't know what, what else to call it right now. It doesn't really matter what you do. You just need to do what's here in your heart past the wounding past the wounding past the wounding oh it- uh, do you mind if i read something okay this one's interesting because now this is a really simple and this is saint hubert so i don't know very much about saint hubert he's you know i get introduced to him and he's the hunt he he's the hunter's saint. but if people really knew what happened to him and really research that they would find out through history and research that he wasn't even eating meat. His monks didn't eat meat. really. Okay. okay. But, he, but his relatives through his experience of experiencing Christ in an, a pair of antlers of a deer. Right. When he was playing hooky at church. I'll read the note because what I started doing was writing the prayers. This is from the church. This is from my, from my heart. Okay. And uh it kind of explains who the saint is. And at the same time, puts you into case. Okay, so this is the chaplet. This is the chaplet of St. Hubert, but it can be a novena. Okay. I do the research and in the American St. Hubert, just to say this, you know, they show a Brown deer, but I had to go all the way back to the medieval manuscript to get the real history of him mm. in France. Mm. i been in St. Hubert for two years without knowing very much about him so we don't hit deer on the motorcycle in the summer in the woods and it just works (laughs) you know then this spring I had a I was out and I saw a white deer and I had a visitation in the neighborhood all of you know I'm in suburbia an urban environment and there was a white deer where I go make water offerings every new move and he was there, and I had a conversation with him for twenty minutes went back home got my camera he was still there, and I got pictures of oh so this happened for three new moons in a row here's what I wrote, mm-hmm. and then I'll take the punchline of how these things were after I read to you one holy day, Saint Hubert went to hunting deep in the woods. a veil of fog floated over the land, and frost clung to branch and bough and through the mist the saint came upon a clearing in the forest. There stood a stag, white as snow, with head held high. And between the stag's great antlers, the saint did see a vision of Christ that brought Hubert to his knees. You have hunted my brethren. you've killed out of lust, and you've lost your way, you forgot how to trust. My presence is within all of nature you see, the heart, the hair, the trickling stream. The wind that blows, yet's never seen. These trees are my chapel here in the woods. The flowers are psalms, yearning to be understood. Have compassion on my congregation of creatures. Your protection they need. Do not live out of lust and do not live from greed. Return to your heart, the seed of the soul. The vision faded, only the white stag remained. The wind whispered through the trees. The birds broke the silence in a chorus of song, and St. Hubert made right all things that had been done wrong. So I'll just read one more, and their story tells you. So I, I went for a lot of saints that are fertility, worked with the land. A lot of my prayers is, is about, oh, I live in farm and grassland,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the pesticides and the herbicides is just destroying this area. And so that's almost my daily prayer. Yeah, you, you pick your wars, so to speak. You pick your so battle. This is my- <laughs> yeah, battlefield. for you. Thank you. Thank you. So this is, okay, so St. Isidore, you whispered your prayers as you plowed the fields. Angels accompanied you side by side. St. Isidore, you shared kernels of wheat from your sack to feed a flock of pigeons on a winter's day. Yet, when it was time to grind the grain from a half-sail sack, it produced double the flour. St. Isidore and Mary Cabeza, you joined together as husband and wife to law, to serve, and to adore God. When you fed the hungry, the soup pot became empty, and a miracle refilled the pots. So everyone was said. Mary Cabeza, you cooked, you cleaned chapels and shrines. And your humble home, and you fed all those who came in need of nourishment. Your head became a holy relic that could be, could bless the land with rain during times of drought that threatened the crops. Saint Isidore and Saint Mary Cabeza bless our crops, our food supplies and farmland with purity and abundance and awaken those who grow our food to live by nature's law and in God's servants, service. That blesses all things, and that's how these these elders, these wise women of of Europe, these devotional grandmothers, mm-hmm. held their their families together through famine and all these things through these no novenas. And I always used to say, you know, I, I had a hard time when I was raising my kids, and I said my whole family is held together by hail mary, and, and 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 it was, you know, I you know I I was a working mother and. I worked really hard, you know, and I did, you know, as far as materials, playing stuff, I, you know, I, I could have done a lot better, but I did, I was a, you know, I was, uh, did what I did. I was a gardener. I was a list gardener and I loved it, but it was hard. It was very difficult. And so, uh, things kind of were woven together in that mm. way. That's beautiful. I hope that that kind of explains. You have to try it. I mean, I think with a practice, you have to give it nine days and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I've done novenas before and I'm, um, I, you know, most
1: of my practices, I keep kind of private, but you know, I'm, I, yeah. I, I have connected with that because it's always been the source of connection. You know, I had a devotional grandmother and, you know, she just lived a simple, beautiful lights and, you know, was very human and kind and all the rest of it. And, um, uh, that, that's what brought me to that. And, um, and I just feel like, there's yearnings for depth, you know. There's such a yearning for these things, and I don't, I don't even think people know it. <laughs> like they don't. There are practices from so many different peoples, you know. And uh, obviously, you yeah. like me has have a very kind of interspiritual background, yeah. influenced by many different cultures. But uh, it's definitely I I love hearing about your about your book because to me it's like you know at least where I am in my life, it's time to be rooted. And I felt that a lot in the pandemic. Like, whoa, what were the practices? You know, it was like, in yeah. you know, like, go say a rosary. I think your grandmother did this. You know, that 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 going like, hey, this is all feels very fleeting. What's what holds it down when times get rough? You know, what what is going to be the the go to practice? And I feel like during the pandemic and and these kind of crazy times. Those who have these practices that are have roots can maneuver through these storms of life a little bit more intact. <laughs> Not that you don't get a couple bumps and bruises along the way, but, you know, there is there is a, a depth that you can hold on to, a center that you could claim a little bit more. Yeah. We, I do have a question really- for you. Labafana's table for me, as Labafana, as a character from ancient Italian folklore... Who's known as being the gift giver. She's the, she's the gift giver. She's Italy's Santa Claus, whose, you know, story is interwoven with the, that of the three magi, you know, who, (laughs) who got somehow on their way to Bethlehem, got lost in Italy. We won't ask for details. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) And so she is Italy's ancient gift giver. And I think a lot of what I'm, you know, a lot of the people that I'm connecting with, uh, on this podcast, it's really about how are we utilizing our gifts in both small and small and large ways to make the world a more beautiful place. My question is like, how do we learn? You know, in terms of the Magi, I think I read some work that you did on like on the gifts that they gave. How do we look at that story in a different way, on a more like archetypal level of of what it means to be a gift giver, and and what are some keys of that story that that you can kind of bring to light a little bit more.
0: Well Gratio Gracio, Italy is where the nativity began with Saint Francis. Okay. And so I was in Italy and I was practicing I'm going to go all the way to the Nativity. I was oh, yes. practicing I, I was researching the flowers of Mary and I came across this text of that there were all these plants that were put in the nativity. This mm. is in nineteen ninety six. Yeah. And I mean, I'm deep, you know, and uh this is way before the internet was really popular. I You know, I was, not you know, they didn't have the information in those days in the same way. And I find myself in Italy and I don't even, you know, in, in a pilgrimage and it's a silent one. And the first place we go to, we're staying in monasteries. And at first night I'm on a hard bed and it's cold and I some stuff had come up, and I, my inner child, was just kind of feeling really hurt. And so, in Rieti Valley, Francis St. Francis went to all these different mountains, and they have shrines in the pilgrimage. And so, the first one was Gratio, and I go, it's a village on a cliff. is that a sheer cliff, and there's a cave there, and this rich man called John Viltia gave Francis the permission to enact the very first nativity scene since Christ. So Quar- St. Francis began that whole nativity scene. Mm-hmm. And so here I am, all these plants that are in my head and I'm researching for the last six months, and I'm going there, inner child is broken, you know, and and <laughs> I go there and pray for the healing and the healing happens. You know, it's like, so at Birth of that baby Jesus is really, and I'm a really big baby Jesus thing, is really the archetype of our inner child. Yeah. Where all the creativity is. And so knowing that the gifts of the Magi, now I'm just doing this intuitively at this point, are the finding our own gifts. What are our gifts? And one of them is, is Merck. One of them is frankincense, and one of them is gold. So the frankincense is really the sweetness of life and the good experiences. The myrrh is the bitter experiences. And the gold is our eternal nature, gold light. All of that, it's eternal nature. So I feel what that's really saying is gold is what, you know, in the alchemist realm, Lead turned to gold. It wasn't something real. It was the lead heavy emotions of our traumas and our dramas that we still carry around as baggage gets transformed into the light of eternal understanding of the spirit. And I think that that's what those gifts are. And that's going to look differently for each one of us as we touch the wounding that we all carry the imperfections of being in this human condition
1: yeah does that make sense no it really am <laughs> yes it really it does make sense and, and and right and and that's how we become true gift givers in this world by working with those wounds and those tender parts and transforming that into wisdom into understanding into curiosity into less knowing you know at least that's what I'm kind of feeling into and finding my my own self and, and really inquiring like we don't live in a society that we really know how to be gift givers you know how do we how do we become true gift givers The when we've taken these kind of heroic journeys in our own lives right and and have uncovered the, you know, these inner jewels from taking the inner journey, um, transforming these traumas, you know, becoming who we, who we really are.
0: It has to be really simple. Say that again? It, sometimes it gets very, very simple. Yeah. Like for me in COVID, I didn't know what to do. I just break bread and leave it to the homeless. That's what I did. You know, because I thought I need to do something. Good in this.
1: Yeah. And I ran around with a one tooth puppet and handed out cookies. (laughs) So that's, yeah, there you go. They're on the same (laughs) page.
0: It's very, very simple. It doesn't have to be like this big deal, you know, it can just be showing up and being present, you know. Uh, Mm.
1: And I think that's something really beautiful. And, you know, at least in my own journey, a lot of the pain comes from, or the pain has come from being like, a little stuck on that hero's narrative of like, (laughs) you know, these (laughs) grandiose things. And you're like, no, maybe it's just I show up now and I show up now and I try to be more tender now and I show up now and we show up now and have this conversation and then we show up somewhere else. And maybe it's nothing big or maybe it's small, but we're doing it.
0: Sometimes of the grandiose things is you also have grandiose shit. So tell yeah. me more about uh, the witch gift, um, gift giver. Tell me more about what, what she is to you.
1: Lava fauna. Yeah,
0: Lava fana. Say it lava again fana. because I'm, it takes me a while to get a word. <laughs>
1: lava fun. Okay. You got it. Um, what she has, uh, become for me is that, you know, just that old, old, ancient image for me of that, of that loving, of that kind of ancient grandmother love, of that ancient, ancient being love. And I love the, you know, that she's from folklore because folklore is not about being right or wrong. Folklore is, you know, for the people. <laughs> the, it's, these are the stories yeah. that are emerging. That you know it doesn't matter if it's right or left, and no one has like you know it's not like we're trying to say, is Labafana real let's go to the let's go to the books and find out who she is. There's that joyfulness and that playfulness that um engages my imagination, and I hope to engage the imaginations of others of you know who cares who she is for me, who is she for you that to me is 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 important of course she's something for me, but She's something for me that can be inclusive. She's something for me, um, that is, you know, spacious, right? Here she is, this, according to ancient Italian folklore, I'm sure the more that I research, uh, the more I'll find, but, or the less I'll find who hopefully I find less. I don't even know. Um, but, you know, to me, the image of an old woman on perpetual search for the holy child, giving gifts to those, you know, In on her on her search, leaving a coal for maybe the ones who need to do a little bit more work. That to me is something that really is inspiring for me. You know, it's it's not harsh judgment. She's leaving coal, you know. Yeah, you could do a little better. (laughs) There's room for improvement, but it's um that's that's the table that that image is what has brought me into a place of wholeness of where I'm not trying to be perfect. Of where like my grief and my joy can like c- be at the table. All of these things can be here. And so that, that, that is an image that has drawn kind of brought me into a place of, of wholeness and just, you know, acceptance of, of my strengths as well as my shortcomings and just a deeper curiosity of going, man, what does it mean to be like the fauna? What if we were all looking for the holy child in every person that we met? How different would the world be if we were looking at life through her lens? And right, that's just the imagination. That's just the the inquiry. But it's something that has really, you know, transformed me in many ways and has just given me a place like in this bigger story. It's given me a place that I feel like I can I can exist in. Um as we, you know, as my small little Dina self has to watch what's going on in the world and as little, you know, gets a little frightened. You know, when I can exist in this larger legend, a very ancient legend, um, there's a, a peace that comes over my, you know, over my inner being. That's like, all right. All, all is well.
0: <laughs> Even when it looks really crazy, all is well. <laughs> I mean. Read this to you. This is what I, I brought. It's called Witch Hollow. There was, there was once an old woman who I thought was a witch. She was full of gray hair and her nose always twitched. She said magic words and never cast an evil spell. She is known to heal and bring herbs to make well. I asked one day, are you a witch? I say, Oh, child, label me as you may. But just as this old hollow tree, there's nothing left here in me. I walked away without a word. Her silence was all I ever heard. And in her silence, I was empty as could be. And in the emptiness, I understood the hollow tree. And I found the will to be free. And in the freedom, all labels cast away. And I don't know what to call myself to this very day. I met an old woman in which hollow. How hollow can you be? Uh, oh, my God.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to end it on that one because that is, wow. That's, that's the question. Well, that, that is the well, question what, that we will, we will leave for everyone listening to this to sit with. You know, how hollow can you be? That is just so so. I feel like you wrote that for Bifana. <laughs> <I> feel like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like ah, oh, that's exactly.
0: Well, maybe I did. <laughs> maybe you did.
1: <laughs> oh my God, Raylene, so amazing. Um, just remind me again. How do people find your work? Um, where oh, do you? Yeah. Okay. How do they find
0: you? Let's let's get okay. uh, you know. Okay. Um, it. Raylene Abbott at gmail.com is my email that's pretty direct Facebook Raylene Abbott uh my books if you just go Raylene Abbott books on amazon.com you'll get a bunch of them Uh, the novena for now is is really the bridging the gap between Christianity and nature Mm -hmm. and that's what it is and a lot of practices for our environment here for just the common problems of getting through life but also environmental integrity and what we need to protect ourselves and our family at this time you know through prayer and practice and not just ourselves and our family it's like if for your community yeah one person praying in deep devotion came can be like a tent of protection mm. for hundreds below you, but it takes that that commitment to become that. Well, thank
1: you. I I can't even imagine all the beings, humans, and creatures that are just um, blessed by the deep devotional practices that you have. You are definitely a beautiful embodiment of everything that you you talk about and. I'm so excited that whoever is listening can be introduced to some of the practices that have been so pivotal and, and transformational in your life. Thanks so much for pulling up a seat to La Bufana's table. To get episodes sent direct to your inbox, as well as other perks such as access to our monthly community and connection hours, be sure to subscribe to my Substack, dinagregory.substack.com. Ciao!